This is a tale of a strange and dangerous world, a world known as Carthus. This is an adventure full of magic, hardship, and friendship. This is a tale about a world at war and the people who are forced to endure it. When ancient magic starts to stir, three unlikely heroes find themselves embroiled in a quest much larger than themselves. But, more than any of that, this is a story about how to win loot and influence dragons. Hello, and welcome back to How to Win Loot and Spook Dragons. It's a special <laughs> October edition of HDW Laid, our D&D 5e actual play for the Curio Network. I'm, as always, um... Oh, I used one of my spook names. What did I say on Still Interested for my spook name, Jackson? Do you oh, remember? Oh, God. I actually don't. Um, it was something yeah, spook-related, okay. though. Oh, 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 I've got one. I'm Bone McAllister, the skeletal dungeon master, and one of your many hosts. Please introduce the rest of yourselves. <laughs> I'm going to just keep my brand going for October, and I am yep. uh, your ghoulish friend, Jack-O-Lantern Spooksid. Yes, very good. <laughs> very good, very good. I won't lie, I quickly came up with the one, and then you straight stole it from me, and it works way better for your name. What but were you gonna go I'm just going to do Bones on Bones and Bones, and I'm your <laughs> bony friend, Thomas Bonin. <laughs> Thomas Bonin. Or Bonwin, maybe? Thomas Bonwin. What about Omen? Thomas oh, Omen. Thomas Omen. Oh, all I have to do is flip <laughs> that W. Yeah. Flip it right out of the You're White welcome. House. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Grace, yeah, for saving yeah. me. But I have nothing for my... I'm... Um, Gross Chapel. Did I do that last year? Gross <laughs> Chapel. Gross That's chapel. every day. Apart from today, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually not gross today. Oh, dear. Um... <laughs> <laughs> How awful. Do you uh, explain that? Or? No, it's okay. It, it's normally Grave Chapel, isn't it? Yes, oh, yeah, Grave yeah. Chapel. Grave I think chapel. Gross Chapel is also pretty good. Gross let's chapel. let's just all take 30 seconds and see if we can think of a better one. Like Grim Chapel or like... What about Grace Snapple? Like snapping people's bones? That's also like a trademark drink, Benjamin. I, d- I think that's more like a branding yeah. exercise. Uh-huh. Yeah, you were worried we were going to get sued for Gygax's balls bit, but Snapple's come after us now. Well, yeah. they're remarkably more litigious. <laughs> yeah, Snapple are famously, famously litigious. <laughs> Alright, well enough of that. Hey guys, it's October and we're getting close to Halloween. I hope you guys are feeling the spooky energy. I'm feeling that big spook energy permeating <laughs> the room at all times. I went and I watched the first episode of that Netflix show, The, the Haunting of Hill House. Oh, yeah. oh how is it? It's kind of spooky. I mean, I didn't, like, vomit, pass out, or die as, like, you know, every, like... It is a risky form of, like, advertisement, hey, being, like, you're oh. gonna die if you watch this. Yeah. You know how, like, every time a horror movie comes out, like, the click, the clickbait brigade all post articles that are like, the horror thing, so scary, people have vomited in the cinema from terror. And it kind of started with, yeah. like, paranormal activity. Remember yeah, when, like, every yeah, article yeah. about paranormal activity Man, was like, people that whole film. died in the theatre. <laughs> Have we ever actually officially gotten on tape how poor Paranormal Activity is as a movie and how just, like, not spooky it is? It would be weird if we had, considering yeah. this is not Still Interested, our TV and Film Reboot Remake podcast. But it is a very elaborate advertisement for Still <laughs> yeah, Interested. Yeah, exactly. It's an elaborate advertisement with more listeners, so the advertisement is not working. If you listen to this and you don't listen to Still Interested, get up. <laughs> so... Let's dip back into the world of Carthus on this spooky October day. Well, it's October in the real human world. It's not October in 
Arthurs. I don't think they have those months. I suppose I can decide that, can't I? Yeah, you can. They don't like, have right now, months. you can. <laughs> oh, well, now that you've decided that, tell us, what months do they have? Okay. Uh... So now that I've listed every calendar month and all the important public and bank holidays in Carthus, we can get back into the podcast. Before we do that, rather than doing our regular recap, I actually want to do something a little different, if you'll stay with me. I want to go back in time to a day, to a particular, well... I don't know if you'd call it a day, but you all were traveling around the web and it was very, very spooky. You were scared. You were in an infinite inky black void, a starless void, being confronted by horrifying beasts like these weird spiders and weird tigery looking things. And it was all very, very spooky and scary. And at one point you all, I believe inside a tube, had to rest. You took a little rest before you would proceed onwards. And... I want to zero in on Duncan on that particular night, this spooky, scary resting period, as Duncan laid him down to sleep. Mm. <laughs> and I'd like to take you all... Laid himself down, because no one else would. Yeah, exactly. I'd like to take you all inside Duncan's mind and explore oh. the things that happened there. Yeah, I think, like, as we enter into his mind, Duncan's psyche probably turns straight to the camera. <laughs> Welcome to Tales of Duncania, the horror of Duncan's mind, dear. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, boys and girls. Or should I say, bones and ghosts. It's time for another spooky Halloween HTW Laid special. This time... Inside Duncan's mind. Get ready for another terrifying turn of dwarven terror in Tales of Duncania. I know we've already started the episode, but I really think like we're missing out on a whole Osmosis Jones thing that we can do. And I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm well, we all go inside. <laughs> I really wonder if we should pivot. We all shrink down and climb inside Duncan's body and just run around in his guts and stuff. Which would be particularly yeah. small. Yeah, because it's dwarf. Yeah. So it's- he's still medium though. The, yeah. the the assertion is almost that there's as much mass, just yeah. in a different shape. He's just, he's just <laughs> thick. He is one thick boy. Duncan is he's, he's double deep. It's like two people wide So troubling. Oh. <laughs> you imagine running into a person who is short, but just like very long? <laughs> so like looking at them straight on, they just look like a short person. But if you just like take a step to the side, you're like, shit, that goes on for days. <laughs> Dumps like a truck, as they what say. What you gonna do with all that junk? All that dunk. <laughs> all that the dunk junk. All that dunk. Yeah. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we're doing another one of these. It's a spooky Halloween special where we're going inside Duncan's nightmare mind. So once again, I'm going to be passing the reins over to Thomas Owen, my, my friend, and your guest DM. Uh, if you've never listened to the show before, don't worry about all that that came before. This is a one-shot episode, so <laughs> strap on in and have some fun with us. 
As Duncan falls asleep, the memories of the black abyss they've been traveling through transform in his dream to the black abyss of the night watch of a soldier on the front line. He can see the night go on for miles and miles ahead of him and in the darkness he can see a bright burning light but he knows it is just a camp of soldiers from the Eastern League. He is sure that the next morning brings only more war. This is all he knows in his slumber. But he hears his comrades, his brothers in arms whispering to each other. Their hushed, plotting voices transform and as he turns to see them, those he recognizes as his soldiers, his battle brothers, transform before his very eyes into spiders and they spin webs all around him. He finds himself pulled in all directions by the strands of the web. Then the spiders descend upon him and he carves them limb from limb with his sword. When it is done, their corpses melt into more darkness, and before he can even catch his breath, the padding of dog's feet approach behind him. He turns to see a wolf the size of a man before him. He is defenseless, and the wolf gnaws slowly at each of his joints until he is all in pieces on the ground. Then Duncan feels the pieces of himself roll together, collide and fuse into one whole. But he is shrinking, hardening, until finally he is stone. Then strange hands chisel at him and work his edges, fashioning him into a little chess piece. Man, what does Duncan know about himself? <laughs> Duncan then finds himself a static pawn sitting on the table in a tavern. He has no shape, but he sees from outside himself. He looks up and beholds three strangers sitting at the table around him. Tell me, players, what does he see? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, very fun. So we're going inside Duncan's nightmare. Um, Do we want to address how we built these characters, or should we just, like, let it play think I think let's just roll into it. I think if something about your character is worth saying, feel free to say it. But, mm-hmm. like, don't necessarily okay. labour anything. Well, mine's probably the least uh, challenging, I would say. Although I don't know what you guys really have planned, to be fair. Uh, you see a half-elf man. Uh, he is wearing studded leather armour, and he looks like he's kind of, like, happy to be amongst friends. And at his side, you would probably see a longbow resting against the table, and on across his back, the hilt of a sword. Mm. Who else is at the table? To his right, you might notice a young half-elven woman of about 18 who (laughs) shares some striking similarities with Wondrazilia, but she has very distinct blonde hair. And uh, you might say that is the only discernible difference. <laughs> yeah, I suppose I should clarify, yeah, the, the half-elf man that you saw, if you were to look at him closely and compare him in your mind with characters from the regular campaign, <laughs> you would think he probably looks like a slightly, um, I don't know, like a more grizzled, darker, maybe more injured, like he's a little bit more battle-scarred version of one Garrick, friend and former compatriot of Duncan. And who is the third stranger at the table? Um, I think we see, and in a nice escalation of Duncan's nightmare, not so much sitting to the left or right or anyone, but like sort of taking up an entire space in the background is a 
probably like 12 foot tall fiendish monkey demon with red <laughs> fur and a blue a bluish hue to its skin that's just kind of like resting on its haunches essentially <laughs> <laughs> mm. Does it have a Spanish accent? <laughs> By any chance? Well, you're going to need to try and talk to him to find out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll set the scene for you all, first of all, a little bit more specifically. You're in this tiny little room of a tavern. It's not a very big building at all. There is a bar, of course, and the barkeep faces away from you towards the back. You can oh, God, see from nightmare. his... <laughs> <laughs> Can't get service! He's <laughs> uh, facing away from you, seems to be polishing a cup. Behind, sort of like further away from you than he is on the wall, which he actually is facing. I was going to say behind him, but it's literally in front of him, is a shelf that holds four uh, bottles, one red, one blue, one yellow, one black. And then sort of filling out the rest of the room, there's just the single table you're at. There's a window that is shuttered. There's a door and there's a staircase headed down. Uh, You can hear rain hitting the roof from above. Sort of droplets probably even come through the ceiling a little bit at points. And you can hear the sort of repetitive, gentle squeal of the bartender's washcloth polishing a pewter cup. You can even sort of smell ale, of course, all through the room. And a second scent that you each suspect... Might be the scent of the blood in your own veins. And um, you can feel a... Yeah, uh, I'll say that the the half-elf man is just having a good sniff at his own wrist. Just like... (laughs) Up and down his own blood. Um, You can feel a gentle stickiness in the air. And a light, cool breeze that comes through the cracks of the shuttered window. Your mouths are dry such that you do feel compelled to drink. And of course you notice suddenly that there is a little stone pawn on the table between you all. Hmm. So we aren't playing chess? No, there's just a single pawn on the table. I see. Uh, and we, we don't have drinks? No, you don't. And there's no one else in the room? Just the bartender. Okay. All right, who's, uh, who's getting the next round? I think um, <laughs> the the large monkey figure sort of like shifts its gaze towards you and then telepathically you hear it. <laughs> um, I think perhaps it is, um, it's my round. I will go, um, I will go fly with the barkeep. And then you see this giant monkey just like sort of like stomp over, like crushing through tables um, as it goes and like retrieves like a giant cask of ale. Mm. A fair enough assumption that you could have retrieved a cask of ale but i regret to inform you that in this nightmare there are no casks of ale present only the four bottles right on the bar Mm. red blue yellow and black your boy's taking notes yeah 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 (laughs) the uh bartender in fact actually spins around as you approach the bar uh ape dude (laughs) <laughs> whoever thou might be. Do you reckon the telepathy is kind of like Duncan's strange, like, mental use of sending stones? Like, in his nightmare, yeah, the monkey's telepathy is like a reflection of the yeah, I think peculiar so. interaction I think, with sending stones? I think these characters are all reflections of different aspects <laughs> what? of things Duncan's misunderstood. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. But yeah, the... um Bartender sort of spins around to face you. What, what should I call you, Ape Man? My name is Carlos Jr. 
Carlos Jr. Now, I should clarify, um, whilst I do encourage you to talk to me as the DM in character, that was me as the DM. What the bartender says as he turns around is absolutely nothing because he doesn't have a fucking face. Oh! That's so scary. He... he has no mouth, but he must meme. <laughs> what? He turns around to face you. You can see he's still polishing the cup. And no sounds come from his faceless mass of a head. But you do all hear a booming voice, not in your minds, but in the room that says, I'm often running, yet I have no legs. You need me, but I don't need you. And then the... Um, it's the captain who can't cut their legs off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we need them, they don't need us, is that it? Yeah. Then the bartender sort of leans towards you, Carlos Jr., and says, Would you like a drink? From where? Exactly. Oh, no. And where did we hear this? Was this... It was just a booming voice in the room. Okay. Is this still a booming voice? No, this was sort of directionally coming from the bartender, but his faceless, fleshy stump of a head made no movement as he said it. It's just a real thumb of a boy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like one of the you know, thumb people. Kids? Yeah. <laughs> spy kids, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No. I think uh, Carlos is like, um, greetings, my uh, potentially telepathic brother. Uh, yes. Uh, barkeep, I would have drinks for me and the other two figures with me over there at the table. Very well, take a seat and I'll be right over. Oh. Uh, okay. <laughs> and then Carlos Jr. like walks back and causes more destruction of like... Just <laughs> knocking tables over and shit. Yeah, basically. I like this image. Like, I'm glad we didn't all go with wacky characters. For some reason, I really like the picture of like two half-elves and just a big <laughs> monkey. That's very fun. It's the rule of threes, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Duncan gets two-thirds of everything mostly sensible. <laughs> yeah, but that, that has a very dream logic feel to it, right? Mm, Where it's like yeah, mostly yeah. normal things and then something fucked up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very good. So, Carlos Jr., assuming you go and sit with the others after a little bit of the property damage on your way, uh, the bartender then approaches you all. He deftly manages to hold all four bottles by their necks in a single hand and has his pewter cup ready in the other. And with you all sitting at the table, he says, If you would like to place a drink order, take up the piece. Uh, I think my character, who I'm just going to name now as Yorick, picks up the, uh, <laughs> the, the stone piece and says, uh, yeah, I'm uh, pretty, pretty thirsty myself. Uh, I'm not, not ordinarily one to uh, tell a man his business, so what do you recommend? Well, as you pick up the piece and say that, I'm going to need you all to roll initiative. Oh, I like it. I like it. Oh, no. Oh, very bad is what I rolled. Is <laughs> the number that I rolled. It's a very bad one. Yeah, it's a seven for Jaboy. Jaboy! Oh my god, I topped the initiative count! Whoa! It's a 15 over here! I'm gonna drop air horn sounds in there. (laughs) With this initiative count, I don't want you to feel like you're suddenly in a combat or anything. It's mostly because I want to keep the pace up whilst forcing you to make decisions as we go, which might involve independent actions from each of you. It's mostly just a way to facilitate the flow of this next sort of section. But what we'll do because ben you did kick us off so what we'll say is your your question prompts the barkeep he actually beat you all on the initiative um so we'll just put that question you pitched to him before the initiative starts okay and 
Then he puts the pewter cup down in the middle of the table and says, Well, I have recommendations for all of you. I would suggest you begin with this. And he proffers the blue bottle, which has a ominous embossed wax seal on the front of it, but no sort of ale branding or anything. He pulls a stopper out of it and pours just a single drop, in fact, into the pewter cup, which instantly fills with a sort of marvellous blue liquid. And Does it smell amazing and also kind of like honey? It, <laughs> it actually doesn't smell at all. Still, all you can smell... Uh, it's the blood in our own face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the blood in our own face. So he's, he's poured this cup, and Grace, it's now your go. So he's said that you should all have a drink, and he's recommended this for all of you. My thus far unnamed character leans forward and says, No, I will have red. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Not much of a blue wine drinker, are you? Mm, Yeah, look, I've been there. You start to appreciate it more after you have enough of the red wine and you develop a bit of a taste for it. (laughs) 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 He then says, almost begrudgingly, slightly... Bitterly, very well. Tips the um, blue drink onto the floor in such a way that it's almost vanished before it hits the ground. Ah, liquid nitrogen, good trick. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm so excited for this background on how Garrick is actually like a physics teacher. I'm very very excited for this. Um, this is Yorick, actually. Yes. Let's get no, it straight. The, 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 like, dream elements of Garrick that I've decided to play up here, I'm playing on pretty subtly. One of them is the fact that he is the smartest of all of you, despite having intelligence <laughs> 10, if you recall, from the regular party. So I think Yorick, in Duncan's mind, is just, like, a genius. <laughs> and he now puts a single drop of the red bottle, which is honestly the strangest bottle you've ever seen. It's got a very wide neck and a cork stopper in it. But when he pulls the sort of big cork out and tips it in, what you see in the almost jar-like bottle is more viscous than you would expect it to be of a bright red colour. But a single liquidy drop comes off the top, hits the pewter cup, and it is instantly filled with this same almost peculiarly viscous red drink. Does it look like blood? No, I I wouldn't say particularly. Does it smell good? Again, it doesn't smell like anything compared to the scent you can smell of the uh, blood in your own vein. Um, what is what is this magical liquid? The bartender looks at you angrily now, uh, not even just <laughs> disdainful. Um, and again, from his flesh slab of a head comes this voice. Uh, And he says, first you deny my recommendation and then you question what I've poured you for your own choice. Won't anybody drink it? And he slams the bottles down on the table and starts cracking his knuckles. Ben, I'm actually now going to take it over to your initiative, Ken. Okay. Uh, I will say one one thing about Yorick is he is by nature trusting... But his hackles are up a little bit here because this is a bit suspicious as far as he's concerned. He says, mate, mate, as I said, I'm willing to take your recommendation. But uh, much like at a fine dining establishment, if I was to ask the weight of her recommendation, I would expect a little explanation of the recommendation. What about this drink? 
Makes you think I should drink it. This one or the blue one, frankly, I'll go with either. But, uh, what's it do? Help me out here, mate. I said you should drink the black one. Didn't you say blue first? Yeah, you did. Uh, yeah, sorry, yeah, totally did. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, sorry, I'm a terrible waiter, I forget what I said. Yeah, 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 the blue one, yeah, fine, pour, pour it up. I know you already tossed out the cup, I'll, I'll have some of it if you tell me why you recommend it. What, why is it your favourite, mate? What's it taste like? What's it do? Enough of the questions. Are we doing a Monty Python sketch? <laughs> <laughs> he reaches out and grabs the back, back of your throat, uh, like the back of your neck, sorry. Oh. With one hand, as he grabs the pewter cup with the throat. with the other. Actually, no. I suppose actually he probably he probably kind of gets you by the bottom of your jaw with one hand oh, as very he Indiana Jones reaches to, for the cup. Can you please make a strength check for me? Strength check or strength saving throw? I would say a strength check in terms of like a grapple. Okay, uh, that is a sixteen. Well, you manage, in fact, to knock his. Uh, hand away as he tries to pour the drink down your throat. <laughs> so like, mate, there's no need for He's that. Sort of... I'm gonna drink it. Just tell me what it does. <laughs> I'm thirsty. <laughs> I'm a thirsty man looking for a drink. <laughs> it doesn't do anything. It's just a nice drink to quench your thirst. <laughs> All right. It. Alright, pour it up then! And what are we all standing so he's, so he's already, around here for? He's already spilt one all over your clothes yeah. whilst he's trying to force it to you. Yeah. But he puts another single drop into the cup. The blue one or the red one? The blue one. Okay. And he hands you the cup that has instantly filled itself with the marvellous blue liquid. Yeah, alright. I say, like, um, Yorick picks it up, gives it a good sniff, finds no detectable smells, I expect. <laughs> uh, given that that seems to be part yeah, of the course in this room. No, no, no smell and, is uh, good smell, as they say. Yeah, and then he, he, he yummies it down. <laughs> I'll get some poly going for you, Gracie. Can you pull me up? Ugh. <coughs> He's joking on the blue. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> Uh, so, you chug down the blue liquid. I yummy it down. You, you yummy it down, and you almost instantly feel a sort of necrotic sensation course through your veins. The scent of your blood uh, sours <laughs> oh, no. as this blue liquid hits your stomach, and you can feel something coming on. Though nothing discernible immediately happens. How does it taste? It doesn't taste. It is tasteless, <laughs> scentless, but it has turned the smell of your own blood sour. Yorick says, Oi, mate, this is, this, look, this tastes like nothing. This is, this is garbage. And, and frankly, it's given me a bit of a sour tummy, mate. So, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe just a feedback for you as a bartender. Get this one off the list of recommendations. <laughs> he sits back. Um, and, and Jackson, we're round to your initiative count, but as it moves to you, the bartender pours a, another drop of the blue into the cup, which instantly fills itself again with the marvellous blue liquid, and shoves the cup towards you, saying, drink it yourself. Am I still holding the little pawn? Ah, uh, yes, yes, you are. Okay. I think <laughs> Carlos declares, Carlos Jr. is not afraid of any drink, and then grabs the black <laughs> bottle and eats the whole thing. Like glass and all, <laughs> just chomps it down. The black one. Yes, the black one. Okay. Oh my goodness, that's hysterical. 
Uh, so most of what you taste is, of course, glass. <laughs> A lovely flavour to it that tastes a little bit like the blood of your own mouth as you cut it to fucking pieces. It's Carlos's favourite flavour. <laughs> it doesn't even surprise me. Uh, but you also do get the gentle hint of... It was the black one you... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You taste a sort of a whiskey flavour. Along with, um... Oh, this is bullshit. <laughs> oh, no, I feel so bad. I had all the good ones. But there's none left. The whole bottle's gone. <laughs> it's like a really peaty whiskey. That sounds delicious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, very peaty. Oh, no. <laughs> and you find yourself calming at an almost alarming rate. And you can feel sort of the start of a lethargy sort of creeping into your bones. But now that we've cycled through the initiative count, you actually hear the booming voice again, which repeats... I'm often running, yet I have no legs. You need me, but I don't need you. And then you hear the howling of wolves, and the howls continue for a moment, getting closer and closer. The bartender pours another cup of the blue liquid and thrusts it, Grace, to your character. Have you named her, sorry? Drizzly. (laughs) Drizzly. Kind of like a drizzy thing, like it's Drake. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it's like a drizzly night. Ah. Mm. Yeah, so he thrusts the pewter cup, once again full with the magnificent blue liquid, at you. No, I want red. <laughs> again, the bartender is incensed by your quarrelsome <laughs> nature of beverage ordering, but he, he obliges, tips the drink out, puts a single drop of the red beverage in, it fills suddenly to become viscous, and hands it to you. What is that thing that Russian people yell when they drink vodka? Nostrovia. Nostrovia. She necks it. Nice. I like this Russian druzzy. This blonde Eastern European druzzy. I'm just from the Eastern League. I'm ah! Uh, I thought we established uh, the Eastern League was more like Japan, but I also dig the Russian aspect thanks. of it. So, as you swallow it down, you notice that this viscous liquid inside you is not just moving down your throat along with the involuntary muscle swallows that a normal beverage does. It's also moving like sideways, backwards and forwards, almost like Ugh. a creature Ugh. able to apply pressure, like swallowing a live creature is kind of the sensation. And you Ooh. feel it pushing its way against the sides of your stomach as it settles your poor tummy. inside you. <laughs> Does anybody have antacids? <laughs> <laughs> so then, Ben, it comes around to you again. And you so far have had the blue one. What I need you to do now for me is to take a... Is it called a fortitude save? What's it called in this edition? Constitution save? Yeah, could you just take a constitution save before I 3.5 myself? That is a four, my friend. Well, in that case, you take 11 necrotic damage. And you are poisoned. Oh, no. I didn't want to be poisoned. That's the thing I didn't want to happen. Guys, I really goofed this one up. I hope everything works out okay. I'm poisoned (laughs) over here. It's what you get with choosing blue. Oh, no. The blue one's bad, guys. Don't have the blue one, says Yorick. (laughs) As he's, like, holding his dummy. (laughs) 
Hey, barkeeper, what? This feels really bad. My stomach's all... Ugh, ugh. And can can this manifest as, as Yorick just throwing up all over the table? Is that an option? I mean, I think if you want to take a... A, a vomit saving throw. <laughs> maybe I think maybe if you take a will save or wisdom save for me, because ultimately to make oneself vomit, I always find is a matter of mind over matter. Mind over matter. The tactical yak, if you will. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> wisdom save to try and enforce attack yak. Uh, that's an eleven. <laughs> I feel like the DC wouldn't be too high. It's not like you're trying to combat a mind flare or anything here. It's just yeah. forcing your hand down your own throat. <laughs> Yeah, and I would say as you vomit up the blue liquid, it comes up with blood. Uh, but that blood smells like something I can smell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That blood's got a. Gotta... Oh, I know this. I know this scent. And so, also, then once you've thrown up, Ben, the bartender actually um, pours a single drop of the red bottle into the cup. It fills viscously and hands it to you. He's like, now drink this. No, mate, I'm not drinking any more of your shit. The last one made me throw up all over your fucking table. You give me like, I don't know, some bubbly water or something? I need to settle my stomach. This will settle your stomach. Oh, no, I can't do it, mate. I just can't. I just push it, just push it away from me across the table. That's probably then your, your initiative count done. Uh, Jackson, we'll move to you. Uh, could you please take a constitution save for me with the feeling of this lethargy sweeping over you? Um, ooh, let's say 13. You boys are having some bad rolls today. Yeah, I'm afraid that's not going to cut it. You are actually now stunned. Um, <laughs> so you're incapacitated. You we can't see the monkey just like yeah. standing still. Very good. Yeah, you're incapacitated and you would sort of like automatically fail strength or deck saves. And anybody who attacks you has advantage. But now that we've gone through the initiative count again, once more, you hear that booming voice cut through the sound of the rain. And it says, again, I'm often running, yet I have no legs. You need me, but I don't need you. And on this third repetition of that phrase, the floorboards of the tavern start falling away beneath you, not all at once, but piece by piece, And as they fall, you can see that it is nothing but black abyss beneath. The Todash darkness. Sorry? Never mind. Go on. (laughs) Uh, There's a few fans out there who love that one. (laughs) (laughs) And each floorboard, as it falls, moments later, comes crashing through the ceiling as though it is on a loop, falling, falling, falling. And so now, Grace, it's. Your uh, turn. First of all, can I get you to take a reflex save to see whether or not you can dodge the floorboard that has fallen away from beneath you and is now coming quickly down towards your head? Dexterity? Uh, Yeah, dexterity save, please. Six. Six. Ooh. I'm (laughs) going to need you to take uh, 14 damage as an entire floorboard just smacks into your skull. What a heavy floorboard. Yeah, I mean, it's it's got that weight of all of Duncan's fears behind it. <laughs> <laughs> and, also, and also, like, perpetual momentum, right? Like, it's just, like, building yeah, up speed yeah, as it's, it's just falling around and falling, and falling. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then... It's like a portal. Now, you yeah, just dude. drank the dude. red one. Hey, Jackson. Uh, no, nice. just forget this one. Yeah. Hey, Jackson. The cake's a lie, dude. Ah, uh, you got him! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on, Tom. So, you also just had the red one last turn, so now I'm going to need you uh, also to make a constitution save. 
Oh, 22. 22. Nice. Um, so uh, in that instance, I will say how that actually manifests is that through your um, sort of iron guts, I will say that you can actually feel the thing that seems to be pushing around inside you slowly lose strength. I just, like, tense my stomach and... Yeah. <laughs> I think, like, although in my mind this strange creature inside you is perhaps something like an ooze, regardless, somehow, you hear a neck snap as you <laughs> this tense is, your... This represents a tense your abs. Gone things ladies can do with their stomachs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they grow the babies in there and they push them out. So they must have pretty strong tummy muscles. True, we do. Is that my action or...? Uh, no, no, none of this is your actions so far. Those were just a couple of saves I needed you to take. The bartender now actually hurries off down the stairs that are in the room that were headed downwards. But, um, yes, because he's got so many legendary actions, he actually takes an action on each of your turns because... What else could possibly happen in a nightmare other than a random NPC who ap- who happens to act at three times the speed of a regular person? <laughs> um, it's like a running in water. Mm. <laughs> what? It's like a running in water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. There's <laughs> a beautiful bit of a uh, physical theatre there. For else, he pretended to run in water. But yes, Grace. Um, now that you've passed those saves, or well, failed one and passed one, uh, you know what would you like to do with your turn? As, as this situation is developing, do feel free to take slightly more conventional turns as well. Like, I'll still keep telling you things that are happening on your yep. initiative count, but feel free to, you know, use, like, your standard actions, your move actions and all that stuff. I think I yell after him, Hey, come back here! <laughs> Very good. <laughs> come back here! Nobody fucks up my friends! Friendship forever! <laughs> <laughs> So this isn't so much dream Druzzy as bizarro Druzzy. <laughs> like yeah. Druzzy's dark twin. Yeah. The inverse way of all better. of the... Yeah. I think that I'm means that Drizzly twin. is yeah. the good twin, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah wow. <laughs> um, and can I still see him? Yeah, yeah, you can still see him. Um, he's sort of like at the top of the stairs. I reach out my magical sorceress hands and cast Blight. Nice. Oh, wow. Nice. All right. So just like zero to a hundred here. Fucking drizzly. Yeah. She's like, oh yeah, I'm just having a good drink. She's like, hey, come back here. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. What is that? It's Constitution save that the the guy has to take. The bartender. Oh, is it? Yep. He is a nineteen. Oh, so he will take half. Yeah. Of. Eight d eight. Eight. Yeah, that sounds about right. Fifty first eight dates. Here are... Give me those dates. Three dates for you, Gracie. <laughs> That'll have you pooping. <laughs> That's 20. That is roughly what it'll sound like after three days. <laughs> God. Oh, those are huge rolls, Gracie. It's another 20. Yeah, that's 40. So Holy 20. moly. So he takes 20 damage. Huge. Yeah. I think as that blight courses through his body, he momentarily turns to face his flesh plank of a head in your direction and you can sort of from you know audio direction discern that the scream you hear comes from his face as he goes
Hey oh, it's me, your spooky spooky Halloween DM, just checking in on you in the middle of the show as per usual. I'm aware that it is in fact November now, but we recorded it in October and this was our closest release date to Halloween, so sue us. We hope you're enjoying it all the same and finding it extra spooky, a nice little uh, post-Halloween comedown if you like, a spook to bring you into the last bit of the year. If you're new to the show, welcome. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you'll stick around and listen to the rest. If you aren't too much of a completist, you can skip a lot of the back catalogue by dipping back into chapter 19.5, where we recapped chapters 1 to 19, and then just listen on from chapter 20. But you should go listen to that other stuff. It's also really good. If you're a long-time listener, you're also welcome here, but just try and make the new folks feel at home. Seriously, though, if you've been looking for a way to get people into the show, a non-canonical episode like this one, or one of our other specials, is a really great place to start, so we'd love it if you shared this one around. Okay, I won't take up any more of your time. Thanks, as always, to everyone for listening. We hope you had a spooky but safe All Hallows' Eve, and enjoy the rest of the show. Now, Jackson, you just missed the face teammate, but that's canon. He doesn't have a face. So all you get is the set. <laughs> yeah, that's true. See, I, got, I actually got the authentic version of that. You got a more pure experience of that, yeah, intended effect. <laughs> hey, make that face again. I don't know if I can. I'm testing out my new camera on um, Dungeon Master Thomas Sandwich. What was it? It was like... It was like <laughs> yeah, very good. <laughs> For the gram. You actually, because you're wearing like a college shirt... And you got your glasses on, and you're wearing a little headset. You look like a huge fucking nerd, is what you look like. <laughs> Especially with the dragon in the foreground. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god! Nice. Anyway, let's keep going. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a leaf out of one. Uh, yeah, indistractable. Yeah. So, Grace, that's you all done. Ben, your go. Okay. How do you feel about the fact? Oh, that- first off, I will need your reflex save as a floorboard disappears from beneath you, and you try not to fall through the gap. Ain't a thing, homie. Ain't a thing. This boy right here gets plus nine to dex saves, so that is only a 14. (laughs) (laughs) I'll say that's good enough to not fall through the hole that's emerged, Uh but you do get hit in the back of the head by it as it comes back down again. Outstanding. And I'm going to need you to take 11 damage. Okay, very good. Feeling fine. Feeling toasty, roasty, and Truman Caposti. Uh, I guess it's my turn now. It is, yes. Okay. And you already experienced your... Yeah, damage. Uh, drinko. And I'm just poisoned. But don't worry about it. Not a thing. Totally have a spell. Gonna be a good time. I'm gonna burn my action this round then to cast Lesser Restoration on myself. Mm-hmm. So I'm no longer poisoned. Nice. So that's, that's kind of that's kind of it. That's my only action. I wonder if I can actually... Take it. The bartender does disappear down the stairs on your turn, by the way. Yeah, so he's gone. Because I don't want any of you to forget that he operates at three times the speed of a regular person, because that's horrifying. Yeah, so he's he's just gone. And he was already gone. Was he ever really here? (laughs) I'm wondering if instead of lesser restoring myself, I should... You know what? You know what? Yorick is a selfless creature. He realises that it's about to be the ape man's turn. And he won't be able to do anything because he's paralyzed. So instead, he uses Lesser Restoration to cure the paralysis of his friend first. He nice. reaches over, cures his paralysis with Lesser Restoration. So that's 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 Yarek done, but I'm still poisoned. Carlos immediately screams, Drink cannot kill Carlos! <laughs> immediately unaware that he was stunned and like believes that like no time has passed. That is glorious. Luckily for you, Jackson, this reflex save I'm going to need you to take as a floorboard falls away beneath you and comes flying down towards your head. You would have automatically failed because of your stun, but uh, your dear friend Yorick. Yorick has saved you from that fate. So can you please take the reflex save for me? 
Now, Reflex, you're making up words. Do you mean like a deck save? I'm so sorry. I 3.5 myself again. I do mean a dexterity <laughs> saving throw. Go, go, go. That's going to be a 18. Nice. You step out of the way as the floorboard It's a big away the step, knee. by the way. Yeah, no, it would be. Like, big legs, big step. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they say. Big um, step energy. Yeah. Um, how much floor's in front of me? Slash how far away are the stairs? Like, I would say you can get to the top of the stairs with a normal move. Cool. I... <laughs> I'm going to make a running leap, which, as I sent you this character sheet before, Thomas, you'll know that I, I can do if you're okay with me doing this. Yeah, yeah, go for it, dude. Where Carlos Jr. is going to run up and then leap uh, 40 feet to sort of, like, chase after our, th- our thummy friend. I guess, like, in my mind, you head, like, in one direction to get to the stairs and then have to, like, turn to go down them. So it is a slight change in direction in terms of, like, from where you're standing to then head down the stairs. It would sort of be a left-hand turn a little bit. So if you just want to make either an athletics to turn it into a sort of, like, combat roll on impact or acrobatics to sort of, like, spring off, redirect as you go down the stair hole. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, I it's, like that it's word, gonna stair be an athletics, I think. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Definitely well, give us an athletics so we can just see this monkey bounce down the steps wholeheartedly embracing <laughs> the physical yeah, yeah, yeah. pain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How does a 22 sound to you, my guy? That sounds pretty fucking marvelous. So, what I'm gonna say is you, you, you know, take a few strides towards the steps, you leap up into the air, jump, you go straight down this hole. You take the middle step, maybe, with your, like, rib cage as you get there but like you're ready for it you wanted it you bounce off you roll down the stairs head in the right direction now and you come to the bottom lying prone but you know mentally prepared for the moment face to face with the bartender who has started to barrel up casks under his arms so he's sort of like awkwardly trying to hold these like little barrel casks one red one blue one black one yellow under his arms The basement around you is a dark wood room full of these coloured casks that is also just matted with cobwebs. Cool. I I would say you still have your... You've used your move, but you would still have your um, standard action. But the bartender turns as you appear behind him, and um, I would say he... uh, He probably... um, I would say maybe he goes... (laughs) 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 I love Jody as a literal skill monkey. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's true Wow, that's really beautiful This little skill monkey, though, has some additional abilities in the Nightmare Realm And what he does is he actually casts a little spell Which is an ability he can do once per day He casts Phantasmal Force And tries to cast Illusion on this, this fellow Thinking that all the barrels are on fire Mmm, that's very fun How does Phantasmal Force play out? You fill the mind of a creature You can see some illusory creature, object, or phenomenon While the spell lasts um, unless they save in a saving throw, um, they believe the illusion is real, and any situ- logical situations or otherwise will be rationalized in the illusion's favor. Wow, Does 1D6 it includes damage. temperature, so the barrels in his arms would yeah, now hot. feel he can, hot to He him. can actually take damage from it. Yeah, well, that's fucked yeah. up. Okay, so, what is it? Intelligence save? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he gets an 11. What's your save DC? Uh, 13. Okie dokie. So now, I guess in response to that, probably he uh, sort of goes... <laughs> and um, drops the casks in his arms as he sort of starts flailing his arms around in pain and panic. And the casks, as they hit the ground, smash and start spilling liquid everywhere. That brings us, of course, to the end of this initiative count. So then once again... That booming voice repeats, I'm often running, yet I have no legs. You need me, but I don't need you. As the voice repeats again, 
wolves burst through the door to the tavern. They're drenched from the rain outside and they're coming in. Some of them almost immediately lose their footing, go through the floor where the floorboards are missing. (laughs) You're now in a tavern full of floorboards and wolves that are just cycling infinitely through the floor. (laughs) Portaling around like some sort of horrifying nightmare. Um, but some of the wolves are able to keep their footing and there's just more of them pouring into the room. The bartender, as his arms flail Jackson, you hear him scream something like, We have to get the drinks to the front line. Uh, that may even have been audible in the main room as well. And Grace, is now your initiative count. Okay, I think Drizzly yells out, Yorick, you have to answer the uh, the riddle. You're the smart one. Then she she rubs her little magic fingers together, and she casts animate objects on ten of the floorboards that are flying through the air. Ooh, <laughs> interesting. Oh, this is about to get funky. To make yeah. a bunch of floorboard friends, oh, I guess. Yes. Oh, that's very fun. So, if I'm not mistaken, these floorboards come to life, and as they do not have any arms or legs, they can now fly on my command <laughs> and attack whatever I want. So... Wait, have you answered the riddle? The floorboards are running, but they don't have any legs. You need them, but they don't need you. <gasps> oh, wow. <laughs> really makes you think, huh? Okay, so you're animating ten of the floorboards. As a bonus action, you can mentally command any creature you made with the spell if the creature is in the fit of you. Once given an order, the creature continues to follow it until its task is complete. Does that mean that they enter the initiative count? Yeah, basically. Yeah. I think what that means is um, if you want to roll an initiative for them. Eleven? Yeah. So um, you you do you want to use your bonus action then to give them a command? I would love to do that. I scream, fly my pretties. <laughs> <laughs> I direct them towards, how many wolves are there? Um, I think at this point there's probably about five wolves in the room who are still on shore footing and not just doing the cycle through with gravity. I make them attack the wolves. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. Oh, what a scene um, in this bar. There's just all these floorboards like smashing into these wolves as they infinitely cycle yeah, through the air. That is horrifying. Yeah. Okay, did you want to use a move action or are you good? Yeah, can I... Is there enough floor... Oh, I didn't action? get you to take a reflex save. Oh, okay, yeah. Take a reflex save, please. It's bad. Um, nine? Nine. Oh, I will need you to, as a floorboard, cracks your... I reckon, like, your outstretched arm as you cast the spell gets sort of, like, clocked by this falling floorboard. Can you please take three damage? so much better than last time. Yeah, it was a bit bad roll. There's a big swing on these. (laughs) High dice. And (laughs) sorry, were you going to move? If I can still move, is there enough floor for me to run down after... um, Yeah, yeah, I would say there's still enough floor. Like, more floorboards are gradually falling away. For the moment, I think, like, you know, because it's a floorboard at a time that's going away. You don't have, like, whole, like, five-foot square gaps in the floor yet. Okay, I run after Carlos. That probably gets you to the top of the staircase where you can see him down at the bottom with the barkeep. The liquids that the barkeep has spilt on the floor are mixing together in a disturbing rainbow of colours. After you're done, Grace, that brings us to the floorboards who, (laughs) upon your instruction, fly at the wolves. And it's basically like just ten planks of wood in unison clearly have decided that that's a padlin. And... (laughs) 
they just start spanking the wolves all up and down. And it's a oh. horrific thing. The wolves are at points like biting chunks out of the floorboards. The floorboards are smashing them back and forth. It's honestly grotesque. We'll say for the moment that has the wolves sufficiently distracted. Uh, ben, it's your go. Uh, very good. Okay. I'm going to, uh, clutching my sore tummy, uh, just kind of like maneuver my way across the room uh, over to the, the staircase at the top. I guess that's my whole move. Bonus action. First thing I'm going to do is pop Hunter's Mark on the barkeep. Uh, free action. I hold up a little pewter, uh, sorry, the little stone piece, little stone pawn, and I say, Can you, uh, can you talk? You got any, any magic kicking around in there? What's the deal? So you're saying that to the pawn? Yes. It reacts rather like a regular chess piece would. Okay. Which is to say, you find yourself then in a moment of awkward silence as the chess piece does not speak back to you. Okay, cool. Still trying things out here. Still feeling the world. Uh, at this point, uh, at this point, uh, the, the Yorick says, okay, so no, no love with the porn thing. I'm uh, just going to pop that one in my pocket, puts it in his breast pocket. And it's like, uh, let's give this a try. Um, the riddle. Is it, is it time? Is time the riddle? I don't know. I don't know who I'm supposed to be saying this to or if it means anything. Is that it? Is it time? It's running. You know, sometimes we need it. It doesn't need us. And in response to that, the voice that you've heard repeat the riddle a few times booms through the whole room saying, time is not the answer. Keep guessing. Oh, cool. Okay. Let me Um, keep thinking about that one. And uh, with my regular action that I also have, I'm going to fire several arrows at this dillweed of a barkeep because fuck him is why. Uh, So I get two attacks. He's got my hunter's mark and I've also got Colossus Slayer, which means if I hit him with one of them, I can deal an additional D8 on top of that. So to uh, plus 11 because I'm an archer, 25 and 14. 25 and 14. Fuck, I have disadvantage, don't I? Because I'm poisoned. That's what that does. So my yes. first attack then, it's 14. That hits. Oh, outstanding. Uh, so then that's going to be 2d8 plus the d6 of Hunter's Mark damage that he takes plus my dexterity. So he takes, boom, boom, what's that, 12, 17 damage from oh. the first arrow. And the second arrow, also at disadvantage, is 15. Wow. Which also hits. So, so as your arrows thwack into the into his corpse, the... <laughs> into his corpse? Is <laughs> I really put the cart before the horse there. Um, Put the arrows before the corpse. (laughs) Uh, He lets out one final... And in a horrifying dreamscape transition, the arrows that hit his corpse are echoed all around you as the tavern melts away and you find yourself on a busy battlefield. Corpses litter the ground. Arrows are raining from the sky. There is a terrible thunderstorm going on. The rain continues. So do the wolves, the wolves and the floorboards. The falling Are they floorboards. Still portaling? Yes, they're still portaling. They're smashing through the earth, cutting deep chasms into the abyss as they strike. The wolves following with them. <laughs> You um, see also that the ground is muddy with a rainbow of different liquids. The corpses already starting to rot in the mud and puddles. Uh, But the rain from above is almost crystal clear. Yorick quickly rattles out the tears in rain speech from Blade Runner. (laughs) (laughs) Seems appropriate at this time. It does seem appropriate. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> as you take all this in, your attention is suddenly drawn by a loud horn, and you turn to see behind you there is a city under siege. You're standing right near the tents of the attacking army. A soldier cries out to you, Come quick, the general needs you. And uh, and the then he's gone on? almost immediately into the mess of tents. Are we also naked? <laughs> um. You know what? I forgot. I'm a big I forgot fan my of like, the yes ending. So like, yes, you are naked. <laughs> I mean, I, I hate to wreck on things, but Carlos Junior has been naked the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> no, his fur all goes away, and now yeah. he's just a big shaved ape. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> How embarrassing Yeah, so Carlos's yeah. hair falls out. Well, then out. your hair goes away your as well. clothes fall to tatters. Everybody's hair falls out. <laughs> and the soldier who calls to you, you watch the hair and clothing fall off his body <laughs> as he tells you the general needs you. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> and so, Ben, I think that might have been the end of your turn, was it? Yeah, I think yeah. that was... Sorry about that one. Sorry about that one, guys. Uh, I guess this is on me, in a sense... Um, so Jackson, it's now your go. Um, how thirsty is Carlos feeling? He's still very thirsty. You all feel still the great thirst. I think that nasty fool just gets right down and drinks up that sarcophagus juice. Just like, just like whistling it down his throat. Like that rainbow mix of colors in front of him. He's just like, oh my goodness. Is that all the different potions mixed together? It is a varying collection of puddles of black, blue, red, and yellow, if that's what you mean. Yeah. Um... Yeah, okie dokie, Carlos. As why, hey, why you don't, don't you, do that? <laughs> so, Carlos, let's say you've got those four colours visible in front of you. Do you think Carlos has a preference for the order in which he consumes the different colours? Or do you think he just kind of, like, goes ham at it? I mean, like, we're talking about a giant demon monkey with an intelligence of seven. Um, I think he's just kind of going ham for it. Yeah, cool. Um, I would just but I feel like if, if, he, if he was going one first, I mean, he's already had a bit of the black, so I'm guessing he's probably going to go... Probably want like, a bit more of that. That oh, was pretty good last time. I think he'll go... Um, yeah, he'll go black first, because he, in his mind, it caused him no damage last time. Because he doesn't yeah, remember the last restoration that was cast on him. <laughs> oh, no. Um, and so then, just to randomize... So you get a bit of the black in you, then you quaff down some blue, then you move on to the yellow, in fact, and then a bit of the red. Honestly, you feel all sorts of things starting to happen to you all at once. All sorts of changes coming over um, your body. It's a difficult time. Yeah, oh, you're man, basically finally, a Carlos teen. Jr. is becoming a man. He's going through puberty. Okay, so that would be, I guess, your uh, standard action. Free action, Carlos telepathically yells... Drink cannot kill Carlos. Um, and which he beams out to everyone. I guess he then uses the rest of his move to head towards like the the skirmish that called for the um, help, I guess. Oh, sorry. I forgot to get you to take your reflex save. And Ben, I think I forgot to get, to get you to take yours as well. So can you both please actually just quickly take reflex saves? Because yep. let us not forget that in this bloody barren hellscape of a battlefield, there are still quickly falling floorboards and wolves. There's that 27 right when I need it. <laughs> nice. So you dodge the floorboard that carves its way through to hell as it passes you. Was that, It was dex, right? Uh, yes, dexterity save. Okay, that is a 14. 14. Ooh, I'm afraid it just clips you. Can you please take 12 damage from, I guess, like the hell awful splinter that was on the edge of it? Yeah, right. I mean, can, can, can I be hit by a wolf instead? <laughs> you know what? Yes, you can be hit by a wolf instead. That's why it did so much damage, because it accidentally bit you on its way down. I hope it didn't bite his naked monkey genitals. I hope it didn't either, but it... 
12 damage, it might have. <laughs> That's going to deal some psychic damage as well. Yeah. yeah, in fact, can you please also take three psychic damage? I'm yes-anding you all just to show you what kind of a improvised hellscape a nightmare truly is. Carlos's genitals being maimed does not terrify him in the slightest, so he's, he, he will not take any psychic damage. Thank you very much. I- totally accept that character choice I think it would be traumatic for Drizzy to see it so Drizzy can you please take the free (laughs) (laughs) just watching some monkey balls get chomped yeah it's It's honestly even more horrifying that the monkey is unfazed but as that brings us again to the end of the initiative count you hear once more the booming voice I'm off and running yet I have no legs you need me but I don't need you and then, after a brief it? pause, the voice continues. I'm part of everywhere and everyone. I am at the end of space and time and existence itself. And then we're back at the top of the initiative count. And Grace, Drizzy, what does Drizzy do in this fresh hell? She does, of course, see her floorboards fighting wolves in an endless cycle of fall and collision it's a, a drizzle of floorboards <laughs> yeah it really is cloudy with the chance of floorboards <laughs> Tidal, yeah. um, hey. she kind of just like yells up at the sky she's oh. like, I don't really know how these things work but is the answer water as soon as you say the word water the floorboards and wolves stop That's raining my down next guess. they vanish from existence Instantly, The holes to the abyss they've carved into the ground are still there, but the floorboards <laughs> and the wolves themselves disappear. My floorboards. <laughs> no. Did you want to do anything with your action or your move? <laughs> Gloat. Is this the soldier still standing there? The naked soldier? The naked bold soldier? Uh, no, he hurried off into the tents. Well, he would. <laughs> <laughs> Embarrassing. <Cow. Yeah. laughs> I'll just move towards... The camp mm-hmm. as well as I can. Yeah, I yeah. Think I think because Jackson, you all only will have gotten a single move there, but Grace, with your double move, you I would say you are now standing at the front of what is clearly the general's tent. Ben, you'll go. Okay, I'll, I'll put it on record that uh, other than water, my next guess was also going to be E <laughs> because it's at the end of space, existence, and time. <laughs> the letter E. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, um, <laughs> to continue, I will also run towards the tent. I guess I I can't see anything else. Nothing else to see or do here. Uh, well, I mean, there's all sorts of things to see and do in terms of corpses and flying arrows and uh-huh. what have you. Uh, but you've been beckoned towards the tent for sure. So I can see. Are there armies happening? You can see beyond the tent. There is the clash of a couple of armies at the walls of a city that is under siege. They've got siege towers and ladders and there are batting rams at the gates. Trebuchets firing both into the city and, and out of the city. And I guess based on our position, we would think we are besieging the city. Yeah, you seem to be at least physically aligned with the people who are besieging it. Okay, fantastic. Uh, yeah, I run, I run clean into the tent. Then Clean, um, clean of body hair and clothing. <laughs> I will say, yeah, exactly. In a body, hair, and clothing. This, yeah. This battle scar. You'd see battle scars all over Yorick's body. He's also, he's also a former. These battle scars. <laughs> Don't look like they're faded. Don't look like they're ever gone away. Okay. Very good. Um, he's also a soldier by background, so I think he probably knows. Like, he, he can immediately draw some conclusions about this. I guess oh, I need to decide on a rank that he had. I'll roll a d8 for that. Whilst you're deciding on a rank, 
two of you have now had double moves to get right to the tent. That would bring us to Jackson's initiative count where your move, Jackson, could then bring you in the tent. So we'll say the three of you all kind of physically arrive in, at the tent at the same time. What you see before you is a man clearly with the imperious authority of a military commander, stark naked, completely without hair anywhere on his body. He is as clean-skinned as a bad wine or a baby. Uh, Yorick was a scout in the army, which I think tracks. And so then the general, as the three of you enter the tent, says, Ah, hello, scout and you people. (laughs) (laughs) Reporting for duty, sir. What can we do? Quickly, we need to decide on a plan how best to use your monkey friend in the attack on the city. I have several plans. I have plan A, you can go through the northern gate. I have plan B, you can go through the western gate. I have plan C, you can go up the ladders. I have plan D, you can go through the siege tower. I have plan E, you can go through With the old mines. With all due respect, mines. sir. I have plan F, you can go disguised as some of Is their he gonna own. Get all the way to I Z? have plan G, we can <laughs> catapult you in. Which plan oh should we God, use? With all due respect, sir, plan G. Says <laughs> 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 his fist down on the table. That's what I was going to recommend. I've fought in battles like this before and it's easily the fastest way to traverse the battlements. Very well. So be it. Head over to Stephen the Catapulter. And he sort of points sideways out of his tent, which just opens with a flap that wasn't there before because you're in a dream and space and time aren't real. Um, We're actually technically still on Jackson's initiative count. You've used a move. You do have an action, Jackson. Action, Jackson. Um, (laughs) How far away is the catapult? You can see it maybe about a move away. Okay, yeah, I I use my action to like dash essentially, but I want to try yep. and running leap and just like leap there essentially, ideally into the little pod of the catapult. Yeah, I would say if you take just like a acrobatics check for me to see your aim, trying to land sitting okay. in the catapult. Oh, cool. That's a base sixteen. Probably like a 19. I, I would say that, that'll that do it. You you take a few strides, leap, and sit down nestled neatly in the spoon of the catapult, um, which I think is the official term for that bit. And then, of course, Stephen the catapulter uh, sort of gives you a, um, you know, when, they, when someone goes like, like kind of respectful mm-hmm. like a bit of admiration yeah. mm-hmm. camaraderie yeah. sort of like you know for those of you who are about to rock we salute you kind of thing yeah absolutely oh, um, lock and load yeah Carlos straight up salutes him like just like <laughs> straight, straight back this giant 12 foot tall gorilla naked and blue saluting I guess another naked hairless man. oh yeah yeah Stephen is yeah. as you all are now without clothing or hair <laughs> And um, so with that leap, that brings us to the end of the initiative count, and you hear that booming voice again say, I'm part of everywhere Ah. and everyone. I am at the end of space and time and existence itself. Don't worry, I already solved this one. (laughs) So that brings us now to the top of the initiative count again. Steven starts winding up the catapult to prepare it for fire. Uh, Grace, it's your turn. What would you like to do? If Drizzly looks at this catapult cup, what is it? Yeah, I think a cup is the technical yeah. term. Um, I mean, I said spoon, but spoon, yeah. cup, uh, is, colander even. Is there space for a wee half-elf child? I would say cradled lovingly in the arms of the ape, yes. Um, <laughs> real King <laughs> Kong. Oh, Drizzly can't be a child. Ape, She's currently running around naked. This is not we a, are not producing child no, porn it's audio. Not, it's not a child. She's 18. Um, wherever my brothers go. <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> 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 I never chose Kate 
voice. <laughs> no, it's great. It's very glossy. I'm loving your voice. It's fantastic. I'm loving it. Yes. Um. Whatever my brother's got. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just quickly check if we have any listeners in Russia. Um, <laughs> I'm just gonna quickly... And Drizzly climbs into the loving embrace of Carlos. Yeah, nice. And uh, Ben, you're up. Yorick looks over at his friends in the catapult cup and says, You got another arm for me, big boy? <laughs> and he, he climbs into the cup, catapult cup. And so I want you to picture this giant dolphin ape, his two arms out, cradling these two half elves, ready to face whatever perils await. Everyone naked and hairless is the day they were born. Yeah, if there ever was a yeah. time for fan art, go nuts on this one. If you're interested in drawing it, we won't be upset. That's what I do. I climb in. Climb in. I get ready. You climb in, Jackson. That brings us to your initiative count. Is there anything you want to do? Stephen looks about ready to fire the catapult. He's just finishing the final crank, really putting enough torque into it. He's so so. We're all naked, hanging out, and he's just cranking it. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's what's going on here. <laughs> I think we have. I, I think um, I think Carlos just like looks into the mind of Stephen and like just like telepathically nods if, the, if that makes sense it doesn't say anything but just like Stephen feels like a sense of affirmation in his mind mm. Mm, I like it I like it good mind if you will yeah you gave yeah, him that good, good mind. mind with that Stephen pulls the lever the spoon colander cup bowl thing and the catapult launches up with the lever arm and you're all catapulted towards the walls of the city at um, that point both in uh, surprise at the thing happening to him and as a solution to the riddle that was posed at the top of this round, Yorick looks to the heavens and yells, <laughs> With that, the city ahead of you. <laughs> begins to melt away. Oh no, Yorick's like, oh, I gifted it up again. Sorry everyone. For a second, it's horrifying. But actually, quickly, as you descend, you realise it's sweet relief. Stephen the catapulter had rolled poorly, and you were going to collide hard into the outer wall of the city. It dissipates in front of you, just before you would impact. And as you pass through it, it is like bolting through light powder snow. You find yourself careening through a black abyss full of falling white powder. Drang! <laughs> yeah, Yorick starts hoovering it up. Just clean up. <laughs> if you take a, I'm going to say, a constitution check to see how intensely you can inhale as you fly through the air, if you get high enough, I'll say that you do actually get to ingest some of the drink. Uh, constitution you... check, it's 13. Um, it's not very good. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I, I would say. I would say um, you don't really have enough nostril power to <laughs> collect a dose of drang as you fly through the air. But as you continue, you know, you have the sense that you're falling now from gravity because obviously that's what happens, and also from grace. <laughs> yeah, falling from grace. Um, as you fall, the drang falls with you, but you can feel it around you start to collide with itself and combine almost condenses into granules or grains of sand and you find yourself falling through sand 
falling through darkness. Did you see this end is coarse and gets everywhere? It does, yes. Oh, no. Yeah. We're all naked too. Oh, it's, it's, it's getting everywhere. Oh, that's a bad vibe. Then the sand itself starts to pull together, combine itself into first grit, then gravel, then stones. You find yourself falling through an avalanche. You suddenly see before you a stony floor filling up full of falling rocks. Can you all please take a athletics check to tumble into the stone instead of hitting it with full force? Much like Jackson did on the staircase. Let's see how you can take this tumble in your stride. I will allow acrobatics if you want to try and sort of do an artful bounce from stone Ooh, to stone. That is going to be, instead of 14, that's 18. 14. Se- 17 from Carlos. Uh, I would say that, you know, Carlos, a natural for it, takes the impact in his role. Yorick, deftly bouncing free of Carlos's arm, then sort of nimbly tumbles stone to stone, dodging the brunt force of the impact. Drizzly, little too oh, caught no. up in the monkey embrace, oh, no. <laughs> sort of just hits the stones along with Carlos, is not used to it. Grace, Drizzly, can you please take 17 damage oh, as you hit hard onto the stone? That's a big chunk of damage is what it is. You find yourselves on this cobbled floor of boulders and rocks with rocks still raining down around you. But this actually <laughs> brings us again to the end of the initiative count. You hear that voice you've heard before yes. loudly say, what do you know about the stone? Yes! Oh, yes! oh I love it so much. And as that question is posed, three figures start crawling up out of the rock. One of them looks like a corpse of a dwarven soldier clawing his way up out of the ground. Another looks like a drunken dwarven farmer, groggy, and confused, and the other is a figure who clearly once was a dwarf, but who has limbs protruding from his every orifice, the limbs of wolf, the limbs of spider, the face of a horrified corpse. Ugh. Grace. I hate it. Every Drizzly. orifice? Yeah. He's got arms coming out of his butt? Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Drizzly, it's your go. Okay. Drizzly's had enough. Drizzly's had enough. <laughs> she doesn't like these weird... Arms coming out of butts. She just fireballs all three of them. <laughs> Holy moly! <laughs> so good to actually roll eight. I know. Thirty-one damage. The drunken farmer, nowhere near reacting far enough, cops the full brunt of the fireball. The alcohol on his breath ignites. <laughs> the flesh on his exterior catches fire from your magic. His guts explode with flame as the fire chases the booze down inside him. Drunken, mouldy, pickled farmer explodes everywhere. The soldier, weighed down by his armour, is unable to get out of the way of the fireball. His flesh fuses with his steel plate armour as the heat hits him, but he stays standing with fury on his face. Oh, the Drizzly's just nuking him. The spindle manages to dodge the fire, loses a couple of spidery limbs in the burst, but most of its body makes it out of the fire. 
That was the one she wanted. Yeah, the, the, the butt arm one. Um, now, Grace, can you please take a reflex save for the falling rocks that are crashing down everywhere? Oh, no. <laughs> Not good. Five. What it was. Five? Okay, in that case, you take 18 damage oh, as a rock guys. cracks hard into your shoulder. Guys, this is not looking good for Drizzly. <laughs> then the spindly, wolf-legged, spider-armed, corpse-faced dwarf scuttles quickly towards you in response to the fireball. It embraces you with its <laughs> disturbing collection of Ugh, limbs. I don't like that. Oh, it crits you with this... Embrace grapple attack. Oh, no. Guys. I think I'm about to have good night. Oh, no. Good night, I'm Drizzly. Going. I'm going down. Okay, you take <laughs> holy fuck. Guys, check out Mordekainen's Time of Foes for some real fucking spooky, spooky monsters. This bad boy deals 15, uh, stop 27 <laughs> piercing damage as its limbs wrap around, stabbing into you to hold you tight. I'm very unconscious. Ah, good o. Um, <laughs> you probably then don't take the psychic damage that comes along with that embrace. Yes. Mm, um, great. But now, uh, Ben, it's your yeah, go. Yeah, I think it is your boy here. Um, look, Yorick, I, was, I should say. I was gonna go for the soldier that took max damage. In fact, I think I still will just to try and mm-hmm. drop the initiative count here, and then I'll leave the last one for the monkey friend. Uh, so I transfer my hunter's mark onto him. Shoot him twice. First one. Oh, one's a crit. And one's a unnatural 20. Oh, so, shit. Yeah, Fuck, so yeah, yeah. the crit, I'm going to use the bonus D8 damage on, for sure. So that's mm-hmm. going to be what? The 1D8 plus the bonus D8 plus the D6 all twice. Fuck um, me. 1D8, so, so I'm going to say 4D8 <laughs> plus 2D6 from the Hunter's Mark. Uh, you got all my D6s, Grace. Oh, sorry. Just two of them. Just two of them. 2D6. So, okay, so 48, 2D6. This is the first arrow, plus five from the other damage. So just, just quickly... Okay, that's 8, 11, 17, 19, 21, 26. Yeah, you've done it with that one. That grip <laughs> goes straight into his face. The one bit of exposed oh, flesh no. that doesn't have metal armor fused to it. Yep. Um, can I use the other roll of the spindle then? Uh, yeah, I'll say you can. Yeah, okay. yeah. So that was the 20. So mm-hmm. did I hit the, the other thing? Uh, yes, yes, okay. yes. I guess I can't put my hunter's mark on him. So this is just going to be 1d8. Yeah. So that is just 12 arrow damage yeah. into this guy. So that arrow sticks into the spindly creeper who's currently embracing Drizzly's unconscious body. Ugh. The arrow juts into his neck and he turns his creepy corpsey face to look at you. Bring it on, um, boy. And also as a free action, I'm going to try and solve the riddle. Complete Hail Mary here. Uh, the little stone pawn, I guess I still have. Yeah. I ask it, what do you know about the stone? <laughs> Just scream at it. <laughs> a quiet whisper no. comes out of the pawn. <laughs> The stone is me. (laughs) The floor starts falling away from you. The rocks still falling from above fall faster. Jackson, as the rocks go, the spindly thing starts moving towards you. You've got... I I would say you can still use your turn before the floor completely starts to give way. Oh, yeah. I want to use my multi-attack. So what what I want to do is I want to, like... I I get a bite and uh, two fist attacks. I'm going to bite down into this fucker's neck and I'm going to use my two fist attacks to try and rip out the spider legs from its body. Yeah, okay. Go for it. All right. First one is an... It's an 18 for the bite. That hits. Okay. Four, four, eight, plus four. Okay. Uh, uh, That's 12 damage. And oh. then the two fists. 
You've taken a chunk out of its neck. Actually, rather than using the fist damage, I just want to try and pull. Would that be better for like a double strength check, or what would um, you rather? Yeah, if you want, you can you can make an athletics check to try and tear its oh, head clean yes. off. <laughs> Okay, great. Well, that's an 18 plus... Uh, an 18 plus 4 uh, for my athletics, so that'll be a 22. Yep. That, that, that I would say will do it. You tear the head, this sort of creepy, corpsey face, clean off spider wolf dwarf boy. Then, like, as you're sort of, like, victoriously hefting this head above you, stones rain down upon all of you. You're crushed completely into the black abyss. And with that, Duncan awakes, sweating, panting, afraid for everything and everyone. But he looks around him, and Jody's there, and Drazzy's there, and they're sleeping. And it's gonna be okay. (laughs) The sending stones don't work exactly through like this interdimensional plane in the web. There's a chance the message goes awry. Uh, So it's maybe a little more staticky when your sending stone crackles to life. Duncan, this one seems like a DM. It's Garrick. And he's coming to you across dimensions. Mm. And he says, Duncan, uh, I hope you get this. I haven't heard from you in days, but... uh, Look, I've been talking to the captain. Garrick's still at Sanctuary at this point. Mm. And, uh, he's given me something about the werewolf. I'll talk to you soon. How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons is a production of the Curio Network and hosted by Thomas Owen, Grace Chapel, Ben McAllister and Jackson Newsett. Editing by Ben McAllister. You can find details of all the music in the show notes. We've got other content on Curio, such as Odds and Ends, where Grace talks with people about the mementos they've kept and the stories behind them, or Still Interested, where we look at film and TV that has been rebooted or remade and try to figure out why they thought it was a good idea. Check it all out at curionetwork.com. No, uh, a girl saw me bits. We'll put that audio in when you first run away. Up top, yeah. yeah, yeah. Up top of the episode. Up the very top, yeah, yeah. They'll tune in. Oh, no, yeah. a girl saw me bits. Oh, no, my naked bits. And then we'll, like, come back into the episode and be like, see, get it now? <laughs>